Hello and welcome to Joel Johnson's Money Wisdom. I'm John Stillman alongside Joel Johnson, Certified Financial Planner and the CEO of Johnson Brunetti, the official wealth management partner of the Yukon Huskies. Joel, always a pleasure to talk with you. Hope you're doing well. And uh, we know by now that you're in your mother-in-law suite at home. Uh, it is what it is at this point. How have things been just in general with the business the last week or so? Well, they've been good. I mean, uh, business is good. You know, people still need a lot of financial help. And so there's no shortness of that. Uh, there's no shortage of that. Uh, we've been talking to a lot of clients. Um, people are beginning to sort of bring their head back above water. I was, I was talking, to, talking to our team last week, and I said, you know, this is like being dropped into a icy pool. And at first, you just hold your breath because you've got that thing where your whole body tenses up. Um, and then you come up, and then you get out, and you feel funny for a little while and then you slowly go back to normal and you start to relax and i feel like we're in that we're in that slowly going back to feeling normal stage i know it's not normal out there um and you know when i'm talking today we're we're not going to be talking about the coronavirus i think we're all bombarded by that enough i'm just going to talk about feeling normal as far as when you get up and you look around and you know the weather is still out there and your cars are still in the driveway and you know most people are Life kind of looks the same as it did um, if you don't pay attention to the people that are wearing masks. And so from an economic standpoint, people are getting back to the point of feeling a little normal. We're getting out of that shock. And I don't mean to minimize those of you out there that have you know, lost jobs or you've had layoffs and so on. I'm, I'm just talking about like the perception. If you didn't know what was going on, um, those of you that still have your jobs or are working from home, if you didn't know what was going on, if you hadn't watched the news, things kind of look the same. And so we're talking to a lot of clients and the fog has cleared a little bit. Um, our clients are, you know, in good shape, in really, really, really good shape. Um, so thank goodness for our conservative investment philosophy. And so, you know, what we're hearing is more of, okay, how long is this going to last? And people are getting itchy um, to get back to to work. You know, it's not good when people don't work. We were talking before we went on the air here, John, about people collecting more money on unemployment, some of the service workers, people that work in hotels and restaurants than than, than they were working. And, you know, there's this scuttlebutt out there uh, in the media talking about, well, people just aren't going to come back to work because they can make more money at home. Yeah, maybe for a week or two, but I don't think so. You know, people, it's good for people to work. Even if people don't make a lot of money at their jobs, it's good for people to work. And so I, I don't see that. I think most people are going to, I have a little more faith in humankind than thinking most people want to just sit at home and, and collect a check. There's something really that, that happens psychologically to somebody when they're getting something for nothing. People say the same thing about uh, you know people on Medicaid. Yeah, there are people who scam the system and shouldn't be getting assistance from the government, whether it's food stamps or Medicaid or what have you. But that's not the majority of people receiving that help by any stretch. Uh, correct. And, you know, after a while, it's, you know, can we grow up enough to not hear one side blame the other side in this country forever and ever and ever, you know, because because most people are good people. Um, you might disagree with them politically. You might disagree with them philosoph- philosophically, but most people are good people. I was, I was talking to somebody else a few months back and I said, he said, well, how can you not get it upset at that time? We were at a gas station or something and I, you know, something happened and the person didn't really do a good job. It was supposed to be um, serving a customer. And somebody said to me, well, how can you not get upset? I said, I don't think that person really wants to do a bad job. 
Uh, I just don't think they know any better or they've got something bad going on at home or something. But I really don't believe, or at least I choose to go through life feeling like this because I think it adds to my quality of life. I, I don't believe that people actually show up at work and try to do a bad job, or at least very few of them do. So, you know, it's just my outlook on life. And I think, you know, people want to get back to work. Our clients, like I said, you know, feel very good about their financial situation because if they've listened to our advice, they're set up very well. They have money that's safe that doesn't go down when the market goes down. If they're taking retirement income, we've put together an income plan, so they're not worried about that. And so overall, people are just sort of in this holding pattern. Okay, when can we go back out and enjoy our families and be close to each other and so on? And some people are really cautious and some people aren't. And, you know, again, um, I think we can agree to disagree with that instead of, screaming and hollering that, you know, people don't care about human life or on the other side, you know, well, people, you know, don't understand that we're wrecking the economy. So screw it. Let's just go back to work. And, and I don't think most people are on one end of the spectrum or other. I think for the most part as Americans, we care about each other. One of the things that makes this country great is that we care about each other. And for the most part, we do, you know, you shut off the media that wants to create all this dissension and so on because it gets higher ratings. I think, you know, if you think about the people that live on your street or in your apartment complex, you know, somebody fell down the stairs or got hurt or their, you know, siblings got sick and, and, and so on, we would want to help them. That's our first response. I think that's all a great way to look at it. And like you said, if you can maintain that kind of attitude, it helps your own quality of life instead of trying to find a negative in everything. Joel, let's talk about this from an investment standpoint, because I think it's important to understand that there are a lot of companies that are doing really well right now. I mean, the market, the, the stock market took a huge hit, obviously, in late February and early March, really throughout the first three weeks of March. Um, but that a lot of it was the baby was getting thrown out with the bathwater. And in some cases, the bathtub also getting thrown out. Everything was being sold where there were actually companies that are doing just fine. They're set up to do as well as ever during this period. Some of them may even do better than normal during this odd period that we're living in. And I think it's important for people to understand that not everything is down. No, not everything is down. And, and forget about stock price for a minute. I mean, not every business is in a lot of trouble. And some businesses are in much better shape than they were back during the financial crisis. And I'm, I'm going to mention some business here. These are not investment recommendations, but just for example, let's talk about the banks for a minute. Um, back during the financial crisis, the banks were incredibly leveraged, just incredibly leveraged. And now they're very strong. The capital requirements were changed. There were some new regulations that came through. Um, there were some complaints that those regulations prevented the banks from, from doing as well as they could have. And there's validity to that. However, here we are now and the capital ratios, meaning, you know, if you take out all the money the banks owe and what's left over, if they were to pay off all their debts, the, the amount of money they have left over is stronger than it's been maybe forever. Um, you look at a bank like JP Morgan, which is incredibly profitable, incredibly safe, very well run, pays a 4% dividend that they plan to not cut. Um, when you look at how much money they're earning to pay that dividend, if you look at, okay, well, to, in order to pay a dollar of dividend to each shareholder, they earn $3 um, to pay out that dollar so their profits could go way down um, before they have to stop paying that dividend. So again, I'm not making a stock recommendation. I'm giving you an illustration of, of you know, 
the banks are strong. Um, you know, Mohammed El Arian, who used to run the Harvard Endowment and now is the chief investment officer for Allianz, which is one of the largest corporations in the world, trillions of dollars under management. You know, he says, last time the banks caused the problem, this time the banks want to be part of the solution. And so, um, you know, banks are strong. Um, technology companies are booming. I mean, do you think I own a business? I have 40 employees. Do you think all of a sudden I'm going to stop using Microsoft products? No, as a matter of fact, you know, there's a pro there's programs that we've discovered that that we're paying for in the Microsoft suite of products that we weren't even using and we're starting to use. Um, so, you know, look at that. Am I going to all of a sudden get rid of computers? Even if I lay people off, I'm probably going to keep you know, which we're not doing, by the way, but I'm probably going to keep using those computers. Um, the energy sector, you can say, oh, my goodness, oil prices are down. The energy companies are in trouble. Well, yes, but the good ones are going to survive. And guess what? Gas is a third of the price it was not too long ago. So there are some really good things to look at. I'm, and I'm not minimizing the pain that, that different families are going through. And, you know, some of these small restaurants are, are just having the toughest time. We need to support our local businesses. You know, those of you that have the money, pay a little bit more and get food from a local restaurant, you know, or from maybe from a local grocer or a farmer's market, as opposed to, you know, supporting a national company. Most of those national companies should be run well enough where they have a cash reserve. So I think there are a lot of positive things. John, I was talking to uh, Todd Feinberg, who's the uh, afternoon host on WTIC News Talk 1080 here. Some of you are listening to this program on that station. Some of you are listening to the podcast, but I was using an illustration because as I have gotten older and the kids have moved out, I've taken up the hobby of driving race cars on racetracks and uh don't worry clients i'm not actually racing uh and it's very safe um but the difference between an amateur rookie poor driver and an excellent driver is the poor driver and you were talking about the markets going down and people overreacting and so on the poor driver looks right in front of the car he looks right at the corner it, he drives like most of us drive on the road we just look right in front of the car and so we look at that corner coming up and the poor driver reacts he reacts it's very jerky movements it's overreaction to it a professional race car driver is looking way out in front doesn't notice what's happening in the short term he's zeroed in on what's a quarter mile ahead an eighth of a mile ahead two or three turns ahead which makes their movements very slow and smooth and when people are amateur investors or they don't have a financial plan, they overreact. The movements are very jerky and they get very hurt in the long term. Sometimes that rookie driver spins off the track because he moved too quick with his hands or he had too much of a quick braking motion or accelerating motion. Good investors or people with a financial plan, they relax. They look way out. Good drivers look way out in front. And so it's, it's really a good illustration to look at why some people blow themselves up from the investment standpoint and other people do quite well because they have a good financial plan. And when there's a lot of turmoil out there, they sit back and go, well, I have this foundation and it makes sense. And every once in a while, that investor or that client of ours needs to be reminded of that. But we don't have a lot of clients calling us that are nervous. I mean, when I say we don't have a lot, I mean, out of the thousands of families that we are managing their money, absolutely less than 30 maybe less than 20 because they have a good financial plan. Joel, I've heard from a lot of people who have said things like, well, you know, I know it's bad, uh, but I'm just not looking at my statements. I'm just not checking my account. Uh, so because they have the confidence in the plan, 
um, you know, they're able to not dwell on the present. And I think whatever it is you need to do psychologically to help yourself through this period, if you know you have that plan in place, it's fine, right, to not look at your statements if it's only going to stress you out. Well, yeah, and I'll, I'm, I'm, you know, I wrote a book called The People's Retirement Handbook, and the tagline on the front is the insider's tips that you won't hear other financial planners tell you. So I'll give you a little insider tip here. I'm in this business. I know a lot about stocks and bonds and investing and economic trends and so on. Our personal account that has done the absolute best is the one that I never change. The one where I set it up with a plan in the beginning. The plan in mind was, okay, we're going to own this account. This account is for in retirement, which at the time was about 15 years away. If I ever retire, I don't think I will. And if I was to retire at age 65, that money is really 40 year money because chances are we're going to spend 30 years in retirement. The account that I set up in the beginning with a plan and have not changed is my best performing account with all the knowledge I have, the technical expertise and the fundamental understanding of stocks and businesses. There is a lesson there, folks. If I, in the middle of this business, and and I don't care if you're an engineer or an actuary or just somebody that just, you know, doesn't really understand investment, but is saving for retirement. If I being in this business 24 hours a day inside the business where I see stuff that the general public does not see, do the best with an account I set up and leave alone, there is a message to that. If we want to look at that on a much smaller timeline, think back to, gosh, what year was it? The original Brexit vote. Was that 2016? Maybe 2017? Oh, earlier than that. Well, whenever it was that they first voted to leave the European Union, and that was on a Thursday evening, essentially, a Thursday evening for us that that news was breaking. And if you looked at the S&P futures, you could tell that Friday was going to be a very bad day in our market, the market reacting to that news. And so at the open on Friday, the market was way down. But then it slowly climbed back up over the course of the day Friday. And by close on Friday, we were exactly where we were (laughs) at close on Thursday. Yeah. So if you hadn't paid attention to the news at all for this 24-hour period, you would have had no idea that anything like this had happened. And essentially what you're describing here is the, the exact same thing could happen with somebody who, for whatever reason, hasn't paid it. Uh, this per- person probably doesn't exist, but you know, a hypothetical person who didn't pay attention to the news from February to September of this year, let's say, uh, could very well wake up and say, all right, well, it looks like everything is, is where it was. Nothing has changed in the last six months where all of us who lived through the roller coaster are saying, wait, what are you talking about? But if you remove yourself from the, the day-to-day ups and downs, you get to the end of the ride and it doesn't seem like it was that big a deal. Not at all. And you know, there's two groups of people and, and I want to make sure that we don't misspeak or, or give poor advice. If you have a financial plan that's good, that was put together by a fiduciary that specializes in people either close to retirement or in retirement, chances are you should stick with it. If you don't have a plan or if you've got a financial advisor that just talks about what investments you have all the time instead of a long-term of a plan, you better make some adjustments. What those adjustments are probably shouldn't come from the same person that messed it up in the first place by not putting a plan together that gives you confidence. Um, I, I talk about this all the time. 
If you have the right amount of money that's safe, let's say you have 50% of your money safe, it can't go down when the market goes down, and the other 50% that's exposed to mutual fund stocks and bonds, the mutual fund stocks and bonds, the things that went down during this recent downturn that we're still in, aren't it doesn't necess, it doesn't mean that you should stick with exactly what you have from an investment standpoint but if you have a good plan you should probably stick with that allocation so if you had 50% allocated to market stuff and what you had went down you shouldn't necessarily not change it but you probably shouldn't change your exposure to the market if that makes any sense you know if you owned exxon stock you know and it's gone down it doesn't mean you should wait for exxon to come back but you might want to reposition that to something else that is stock that is exposed to the market's ups and downs. So, you know, I did a webinar and those of you that want to watch this webinar, you can go to our website, johnsonbrunetti.com. But I talk about, you know, there's basically three choices. You stick with what you have, you sell out of the market and do something else, or you do a reset, meaning you stay exposed to the market, but you reset your portfolio to the things that have the best chance of recovering better. But again, it all goes back to having a good financial plan. You've got to have a financial plan. And, you know, I feel bad for the people that are working with these financial advisors or stockbrokers where the conversation is always whether you should own Google or you know, Facebook or, you know, what fund is better than the other fund because that doesn't add any confidence. So, you know what, folks, if you want that, we're not talking about, you know, you coming in and and having to do business with us on this program. But if you're hearing me and this is resonating and you want to talk about something else besides, you know, what investment did the best and how great your broker is, um, you know, give us a call. Give us a call. We'll do a quick 15 minute phone uh, call with you. We'll send out whatever resources we can. You know, it doesn't have to be a big time appointment unless you want one we can do an hour appointment by zoom or over the phone but if you just want some resources you want to call in and you know one of our advisors is named matt let's say you say matt i just i don't know what to do with my 401k can you send me out the 401k book that you guys send out to people so i can get some advice on on you know what the choices are i have right now just call in and and let us know that and we'll we'll serve you in that way during this time 1-800-705-1232 Um, Again, we'll give the phone number out again later, but 1-800-705-1232. We have nine books that we send people. And so if you call and set up one of those quick 15-minute phone calls where you can ask us any questions you want, we'll send you one of the resources that's most appropriate based on the conversation that we have with you. Again, that number 800-705-1232. 800-705-1232. And let me just mention also, John, you know, the website. Some people don't want to call. They think, oh, I'm going to call and I'm going to get some highly trained salesperson on the phone. Well, you're not going to with us, but if that's too big of a step or, or you can't call right now, go on our website, johnsonbrunetti.com, johnsonbrunetti.com. And you can also go on the, the website that's uh, uh, Better Money. Um, Better Money Boston or Better Money, period. And you'll see all these TV segments. You can get your own education in a non-threatening way without having to worry about somebody's going to be pushy. We're not pushy, um, but some people are you know, concerned about that. So call us, get on the website, ask for some resources. Let us help you during this time. Um, again, like that race car driver, looking way out, things look really good. But when people get nervous or there's uncertainty out there, whether it's your job or your family, then you start looking right in front of the car and most people overreact. Again, that number 800-705-1232 if you'd like a little bit of guidance during this time. Joel, let's wrap up today by talking about PPP loans. Uh, obviously, for small businesses that are applying for these loans to help them you know, cover payroll and things like that during this period when they're not able to do business or maybe not a able to operate at their normal capacity. Uh, It seems like initially with the first round of funding that 
almost anybody I talked to did not get the loan. Uh, but then with the second round of funding that they pushed through, it seems like most people I've talked to now have gotten their loan that they applied for. What are you seeing on that front? How is that helping businesses? And what do you think of the, are the long-term implications of that program? Well, I, first of all, I think if you wanted to get money into the economy, this was absolutely brilliant. And if you're the type of person that thinks, you know, we just want to blame the Treasury or Steve Mnuchin or Trump and his team, you know, please don't call us. We don't want to talk to you if you're that cynical. The way this was done was absolutely brilliant. The banks can channel money to small businesses faster than anybody else. And it's kind of funny how how something that people didn't have because they couldn't get it in a week, they were angry. Are you serious? <laughs> right. like, like, I mean, what kind of perspective is that that we have where, you know, geez, something didn't exist on Friday, they announce it. And by the next weekend, people are actually getting checks a week later, $350 billion into the economy in a week. Nobody's ever done that. The government could not have done that by themselves. You know, they, they allowed the banks to be part of that process. Was it perfect? Of course not, but it couldn't have been any better. And so anyway, that's my little statement on that. I just, I get so tired of hearing people just point blame and be so darn cynical. Um, and so the PPP program, basically small businesses could borrow money based on eight weeks of their payroll, okay? So if my payroll was $50,000 a week and eight times $50,000 is $400,000, I could borrow $400,000 from the federal government. If I don't lay off all those workers, then that becomes a forgivable loan. The federal government will forgive that loan. Now think about the brilliance of this, okay? I could lay off those workers and they could go all go on unemployment. Well, what happens there? Well, you think the states are gonna get money out to people quicker from their unemployment offices than the banks can? Absolutely not. Now the people are unemployed. What does that do for morale? They might not be as busy still working at my firm. And again, we didn't, we don't have this situation, but let's just pretend I own a restaurant or something. They may not be as busy, but at least they're getting paid and they can show up and do something. And so I, the whole process was just so much better than what's been done in the past, you know, with this attitude that the federal government can do everything right. Well, no, you know, we have great industries in this com country. So um, it's a little bit of a rant, but I'm just getting so tired of people complaining and being cynical all the time. So banks now, or excuse me, companies now have this PPP. And the incentive is if they don't lay people off or cut expenses or stop paying rent and start shutting offices down, if they just keep going for eight weeks, it is a forgivable loan. It's, it's just, it's fantastic. Now it's not forever. We all know that, but it's better than what was happening before. And I just think it's wonderful. And if you're a small business owner, I was talking to my son who works for somebody that owns a small auto shop up there uh, in the Boston area. They got the PPP loan. Now they don't have to lay off all those mechanics. You know, now they can continue on with the building project where uh, the gentleman that owns the business is, is building a new garage and moving to a better location. They can keep that going. So, and it's a wonderful thing. And you know what? If the, if the loan isn't forgiven, the loan to the business is at 1%. So this is a really good example of, of private industry and government working together 
to put fuel into the economy. And like you said, John, you know, there was some problems with the first round. Um, some of the big public companies that had a lot of money on their balance sheet, um, they had the right to apply. And some of those companies got their loans and most of them have given it back. They didn't break the law applying, but I think it was the right thing to give that money back because it really is meant for the small, um, for the smaller businesses so they can stay open. Joe, really quickly before we get out of here, give us the 30 second summary of if, if somebody calls or texts, what does that process look like of getting help from Johnson Brunetti? You can set up a time where we will do a 15 minute phone call with you. So we don't open back up to see people face-to-face uh, full-time. Everybody's going to be seen face-to-face after May 20th. And so some people, if you want to talk to us right away, just call. Set up a time. 15-minute phone call. We'll have an advisor call you right back. And we'll answer any questions that you have. We'll walk you through a little bit of a 15-minute retirement plan. Give us a call. And again, all our resources are available to you. If you want a full financial plan after that quick phone call, that's fine too. So 1-800-705-1232. Leave a message. Give us your phone number or text that number and give us your first name. We'll get back to you. A financial advisor will get back to you and help you in any way we can. And again, absolutely no obligation, no pushiness. I don't like that. We don't do business that way. So we want to help. 1-800-705-1232. Can't say it any better than that. Call or text 800-705-1232. That's 800-705-1232. Thanks for tuning in. We'll talk with you next week. Same time, same place on Joel Johnson's Money Wisdom. Money Wisdom is sponsored by Johnson Brunetti. Investment advisory services offered through JB Capital LLC, a registered investment advisor. Insurance products offered through JN Financial LLC. Johnson Brunetti is a paid sponsor of the Yukon Huskies athletic program. Better Money is sponsored by Johnson Brunetti.